welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Last week we considered together the image of anticipating the return of the king coming back to his house, to his kingdom from Luke's gospel. And this morning in Psalm 82, we are going to continue with that same image of the king who rules in his house as an adoptive father, Psalm 82 says, as an adoptive father, as a caring and skilled physician, he reigns over his kingdom with perfect justice. Now, Christ church people, and what I mean by that is Christ church people, we are, we are kind of strange people. We're strange people who ask very often, I hear it all the time, and it's wonderful to my ears more and more every day, we ask for heaven to break in here on earth right now. Heaven realities to come now, we're not just waiting for those someday. We're, we're always asking for the Lord to break into our lives. We've had entire years in the life of this church where we've celebrated thin places, those places where heaven and earth are coming together and and heaven and earth divide is being restored. And so that's what Christ has come to do. We spent two months in the book of Revelation talking about this, talking about this heaven and earth restoration project with this heavenly perspective on the world. And so to teach and preach a lot about this heaven and earth overlap, uh, maybe this tension, this restoration means that we preach and teach the Bible a lot because it's all over the Bible. It is all over it. From Genesis to Revelation, we are constantly being invited up into the heavenly court to the place of worshiping Yahweh as king. And our aim on earth, as I said, is to reflect that heavenly reality on earth now as it is in heaven. And so we join in that heavenly song and we sing. And what do we sing? We sing songs, right? Psalms. We sing psalms. The psalms in on the heat map of the Bible, the psalms are probably the red hot center of this heaven and earth overlap, okay? Uh, this is where we see it all the time. So my focus this morning on Psalm 82 was born out of curiosity, okay? Here's the curiosity. In, in this psalm is a topic that I've been reading about for quite a while now, and I, and I still really don't have an idea of what's going on. And I'm trying to dive into that. Okay, so if the topic we're going to focus on this morning is the deep end of the pool, I have been swimming and trying not to drown in the deep end all week. And hopefully I'm not pulling you under the water with me with this sermon. Hopefully I've gotten out of the pool and am able to give you some perspective. Okay, all right. So here it is. What is the topic? When reading the Bible, and in particular over and over again, when reading the Psalms, we encounter a word that I've never quite known what to do with. And the word is this, lowercase g, gods. Lowercase g, gods. So if you don't have your Bible open, turn to 492, please do that. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Bible references in this sermon. There are many parenthetical references to Scripture. If you want my manuscript, you can have it afterwards. I'm not going to read the whole Bible today, although it's going to feel like it. Trust me, it's going to feel like there's a lot of Bible coming your way. So I have had the wonderful experience of attempting literary analysis of, 
literary, literary analysis of poetry with my kids in elementary school, okay, in elementary school, and it is hard. Poetry is hard. It's, it's not a left brain activity. Like you can equate this with this and this with this and you can fitter, figure out the riddle. It's not a riddle. It's a, it's a right brain activity. It's, it's an artistic endeavor. There, there are multiple layered on, layered meanings in poetry. And so on top of all of that, just the nature of the genre of poetry, Psalm 82 was written in an ancient language, in a complex and ancient culture, in a fascinating time in history. So there are so many layers. It's kind of overwhelming. So hopefully, Lord help us, we won't be overwhelmed as I have then this morning. So here's the question that I think the text is asking or what I'm asking in this text. To whom, okay, this is the answer, the question I want to answer this morning. Who is God speaking to? Who is he speaking to? Who are the gods of Psalm 82? At this point, I want you to trust me, asking and answering this question is not vain curiosity. It really will, I think, in a lot of ways, bring, bring life to your reading of the scriptures. Uh, to think on these things deeply will bring clarity and purpose in your daily life as well. So look with me at Psalm 82. This is a psalm of Asaph, a psalm of Asaph. Look with me at verse 1 of Psalm 82. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are shaken. And God said, I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So before we get to the who is he addressing, before we answer that question, we're going to answer three more questions, okay? And it'll serve to get to the answer to that question. First, what is the scene? What is the scene of Psalm 82? It is, it is a scene of heaven, and it's also a scene of earth, okay? Scene of heaven and earth. Psalm 82 begins with God in his divine counsel, the counsel of El, okay? The counsel of spiritual beings. Don't be afraid, okay? When you hear that, don't be afraid. You guys already know this, okay? You, you're already familiar with this if you've been around for at least a few months, okay? Many prophets have been lifted up into the heavenly court of God, Micaiah and 1 Kings. Isaiah in chapter 6 is lifted up into the courtroom. Jeremiah in 23, just before this, this what we heard this morning, Jeremiah 23, the, all over the Psalms in Job, right at the beginning of Job and throughout Job, we're invited into this courtroom scene. The apostle John, as we saw over the course of Revelation, he's lifted up, right? In Revelation chapter four, he's lifted up into the, into the host of heaven, into this heavenly court scene. So Psalm 82 is a heavenly scene, but it's also at the same time an earthly scene. Look at the indictment in verses two through five. This is concerning injustice where? On 
earth, on earth. And in verse 5, the foundations of the earth are shaken. Verse 8, the psalmist pleased to God at the end of the psalm that the nations of the earth would be restored by Yahweh, by God. They're in focus here. So the scene in Psalm 82 is both heaven and earth. Okay, are you confused? Let's keep going, all right? So scene of Psalm 82, this is poetry, be okay. This is like jazz, okay? This is this is layer upon layer, okay? Who is speaking? Who is doing the talking in Psalm 82? Verse 1, God, what is he doing? He's not just speaking, he's holding judgment. He's judging. In verses 2 through 5, he gives his indictment. In verses 6 and 7, God declares his verdict as the judge. In verse 8, the psalmist addresses God. And he says, arise, O God. What does he say? Judge. Judge on earth as it is in heaven. So where is it? Heaven and earth. Who is speaking? God is speaking. And before we get to our question, we're going to get to who he's talking to. Just a minute, okay? We're going to get there. What is the judgment? Okay, look with me at verse 2. What is the judgment? 2 through 5. He says, I called you to judge as I judge. To rule as I rule without partiality. Yet you rule wickedly over the weak and the needy. And this is a very common message in Scripture. If you've read the Bible just for a little bit, you know that this is all over the law and the prophets. And this is the gospel message which Jesus quotes the prophets as fulfilling in Luke chapter 4. There's a lot of Bible that I really want to read to you, okay? Trust me. Uh, there's a lot of footnotes, and we're still going to read a lot of Bible. Okay, so here we go. We're to the question, who is God talking to? Who is he judging? Who is he judging in Psalm 82? Whom is he speaking to? Look with me at verse 6. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. So remember the scene. The heavenly courtroom scene of spiritual beings, the council of spiritual beings. Many prophets have been lifted up into this scene, okay? So this is the setting of this statement. And the grammar, okay? I'm going to get into a little bit of grammar here, so stay with me, okay? Verse 6, God addresses those to whom he is speaking as Elohim as Elohim, as lowercase g gods. They are, they are ben Elyon. They are the sons of the most high one, the most high Elohim, okay? Job chapter one, Deuteronomy 32 uses the same language, the sons of God. They are the spiritual beings that Yahweh God sends to carry out his purposes on earth. Okay. So they fulfill many roles in the Bible. And probably the one we are most familiar with is the role of messenger, which you guys are used to that word, right? Angel. Okay. Angel or messenger. Okay. So stay with me a little bit more grammar. Okay. Hebrew, the Hebrew word translated gods in this text is Elohim. And Elohim, depending on the context, is either translated capital G God lowercase g God, or lowercase g gods, okay? There's three different options based upon the context. And so what does Elohim mean, okay? This is not a proper name, okay? This is not a name. It refers to a being of a certain kind in the Hebrew Bible, a spiritual being, one who inhabits the heavenly realm. In this scene in Psalm 82, there is, though, 
this is very important, one Elohim who is the most high one, okay? So hear that. Sons of the most high, the name, Hashem, the, the name, the most high Elohim, his name in the Bible is Yahweh. So you hear me say Yahweh a lot of the time. I, I substitute the, the, the Lord, which is translated in our English Bibles. I say Yahweh because I want you to know the name. That's his name, okay? He is the most high Elohim, the most high one. Above all the other Elohim, he is the most high one, Yahweh the Lord. And so look with me, or you don't have to look with me. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 35, hear this. To you it was shown in Egypt, the Lord says to his people through Moses, that you might know that Yahweh is Elohim that Yahweh is God, there is no other besides him. There is no other besides him. Verse 39, know therefore today and, and lay it to your heart that Yahweh Elohim in his heaven is he is the Lord and God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. OK, there is no other. So Yahweh God says to his people after he's brought them out of Egypt, after he's he is put to shame all of the weak, all the weak gods of Egypt. He consumes them in the story. It's beautiful. He says, remember my deliverance out of Egypt. The Elohim of Egypt are nothing. They're not on the same level. There is no one beside me. Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. I am Yahweh, your God. You shall have no other Elohim before me. You shall have no other Elohim, no other God before me. So the law and the prophets and the Psalms all declare that everything, whether in heaven or on earth, whether we're talking about the heavenly host, the council of spiritual beings were created by Yahweh God. It's all over the place. You can read about it a lot in the Bible, okay? The heavenly host worships Yahweh as God alone. It worships Yahweh alone. That every spiritual being is subordinate to Yahweh God, exercising his will on earth and in heaven. This is why, this is why the translators of the Hebrew Bible into the Greek version of the Old Testament before Jesus came onto the scene, okay? They translated the word Elohim with two different words. Okay, Theos, which we we know as God, right? Capital G God. And they also translated Elohim as Angelos, as angel. Okay, to to make this distinction clear, because it's very clear. Hear me. Okay, there is only one creator God, preexistent before all creation, who created all that is in heaven and on earth. Okay, so there there is there is a serious distinction between the one most high and everything else. And so the apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter one of Jesus, hear the words for by Jesus, not just not just a, he's not just a spiritual being who came down from heaven. There's categories for that in their head. He's not just that. For by Jesus, Paul says, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Everything was created visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. Okay. 
And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this in Hebrews chapter 1. Let all God's angels worship Jesus. He's quoting the Old Testament there. Okay? Let all God's angels worship Jesus. Verse 10, you Lord... Jesus is the Lord. He is the one true God, Yahweh. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Okay, so are you getting the distinction here? Okay, so the gods, the gods in this text, they are spiritual beings. They are the host of heaven, the council in heaven. Jesus is not merely a son of the Most High, like in the same sense that the gods are, he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God of Psalm chapter 2. He is the Son of David, the Son of Man of Daniel chapter 7, who sits on the throne highly exalted in heaven as king over all. Okay? So many, and this is, this is very familiar to us, many have rejected his rule and his reign. We know this. We see this every day. Many have rejected his rule and his reign. But from the opening pages of Scripture, this rebellion is not just on the earth. It's in the heavens as well. From the first page to the last page, there are many rebellious spiritual beings, those whom were tasked to worship, serve, and obey Yahweh God, but they rebelled. And so we see in verse 6 of Psalm 82, I said... You are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. So let's shift to the New Testament a little bit more. The gospel, the good news about Jesus, begins this judgment on the spiritual beings in rebellion and against God right from the very beginning. Just using Luke as an example, because we've been in Luke for a few months now. Luke begins with several human and angel conversations. Christmas, right? You guys are familiar with all these stories, okay? Human angel conversations, the heavenly hosts and the lowly human shepherds joined together in worship of the host of heaven. Jesus's public ministry begins with a battle against the devil in the wilderness. Luke chapter four, he jumps onto the scene right into spiritual warfare. And immediately and consistently in Jesus's ministry in Luke, he is doing ministry among the fatherless, the weak, the needy, the afflicted. And this ministry is consistently accompanied and intertwined with exorcism over and over again. So he's serving the lowly humans, right? The lowly needed ones here on this earth. And at the same time, he's doing war against the principalities and powers. You see that? You guys are familiar with this. I know it's weird. Let's keep going, okay? The conflict with these rebellious spiritual beings, you could call them evil spirits or unclean spirits, is everywhere. And just like Yahweh God among the council in Job chapter 1, Jesus is given in Luke chapter 22. He is addressed by the Satan in Luke chapter 22. In the same way the Satan addresses Yahweh in Job chapter 1, he says, hey, I want you to give me Peter. In Luke chapter 22, he addresses Jesus as Yahweh. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, Jesus took on flesh that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and the, and deliver all those who fear, who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong 
slavery. We say this, we say this every week when we come to this table. Jesus came trampling hell and Satan under his feet. He, he came to do that. He's, he's going to finally finish the job, okay? But he is already crushing the head of the serpent. God judges and casts down his created rebellious spiritual beings. You can call them gods. You can call them angels. You can call them demons. You can call them evil spirits, the accuser, the deceiver. There's a lot of ways to speak about this, okay? So he's addressing the gods in the heavenly council. Whom is God speaking to? He's speaking to Elohim, the sons of the Most High One. And here's my favorite question. So what? So what? Seminary lecture, almost over. Okay, so what? What does that have to do with us humans here on earth? What, what is the point of this sermon? It's not just to, to teach something. It's, it's really meant to get into our souls and our lives today. So there is more to this poetic heavenly scene than just the heavenly reality. There's an earthly reality that comes with it. Who else are called the son or the sons of God in Scripture? The gospel writer Luke calls Adam the first man. He calls him the son of God. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses calls Israel Yahweh, Yahweh God's firstborn son. Hosea 11, out of Egypt I called my son. Psalm chapter 2, the Davidic kings are called God's son. And in John chapter 10, the Jewish teachers, they come up to Jesus. Jesus has just said, I and the Father are one. And they're a little upset by that. I and the Father are one, okay? And they come to him in John chapter 10 and verse 33. And they say, we're not going to stone you for a good work. They, they got stones in hand. They're ready to kill Jesus. We are not going to stone you for a good work, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in Psalm 82 verse 6? I said you are gods. He said the law, but I mean, go with me here. Psalm 82 verse 6, Jesus says with tongue in cheek. He says, I said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? I am the son of God. So Jesus is like, if you would read your Bible, you know already that human rulers and my son has already been called God's elevated into this status of the, of the divine council as sons of God, as adopted children of the king. Human beings from the beginning were meant to rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. The judges of Israel exercised divine judgment. Go, go read the scriptures. I'll give them all to you. They're talking and then it's God talking and then they're talking and they're coming before God, but they're coming before the judges. They're ex exercising God's rule here on earth. The kings of Israel do the same. The whole nation of Israel, the kingdom of priests, God's son were always ever intended to be lifted up to share in the rule of God, to rule and reign without partiality as fathers to the fatherless, welcoming and healing and feeding the weak and the needy. So here's, here's just a principle that you have to know by faith. God is not stingy. He's not a stingy God. 
He desires to share his nature, his attributes, his image, his rule. He gives us his job to participate in ruling the cosmos with him. And he gives it to other created beings, representatives of the king on earth or in heaven. C.S. Lewis reflects on this reality. Beyond all worlds, unconditioned and unimaginable, is the burning and undimensioned depth of the divine life. To be united with that life in the eternal sonship of Christ is the only thing worth a moment's consideration. To be, to be lifted up in Christ, in the Son of God, and to be united to the divine life is the only thing worth our consideration. We, we are just about to sing a song that says, He has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the Son, to be lifted up to reign with the Son. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, don't you know that you will one day rule over angels? Why are you going to the courts of the earth to settle your disputes? You guys are going to rule over the heavens and the earth with me. This is, this is what the ancients and the early church fathers called theosis. If you want to know about that, ask Father Ben. He'll talk about it. I'm, I'm just starting. I'm just, just sticking my foot in a little bit, okay? So by faith, you are in Christ, in union with Him, in His death, and raised to life to rule and to reign for eternity. This, this, is, this is the heaven and earth gospel reality overlapped in Psalm 82. So who is he speaking to? If you had to put a gun to my head, who is he speaking to? Is he speaking to you, elevated son of God in Christ? Or is he speaking to the heavenly council? I would say yes. I would say yes. He's speaking to all of them. Thank you very much. Thank you, poetry. Thank you, poetry. I don't want to make a decision on that. Some people like to make decisions on that. I just say, arise, O God, and judge the earth. Judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. And so let me give you two points of application quickly. What, what can you hang your hat on as we go out? The first point, do not flatten the Bible. Don't, don't flatten the Bible. Be captivated by the Scriptures. Revel in the mysterious and the outstanding. This book is intended to captivate your imagination more than Hollywood, more than Norse mythology repackaged as a comic book movie, more than ghost stories and fairy tales. Holy Scripture is alive with true stories that will blow your mind. You will laugh. You will scratch your head. You will be amazed. It is very interesting. Don't flatten the Bible. Don't flatten it out. Delight in the poetic interplay between heaven and earth of humanity's exalted place with Christ and in Christ in the heavenly places of earth, alive with personality of cosmic conflict and snake-crushing victory. So Christian, get comfortable with the Bible. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's interesting. It's more than you can imagine. Get comfortable with angels in the service of the one true king, Yahweh God, and open your eyes so that you can watch out for the roaring lion who seeks to devour you, the one disguised as an angel of light, the Satan, the accuser, the deceiver, the beast. Read the Bible and join in the war against Leviathan 
with great sea serpents and massive crocodile snakes consumed by Moses's staff turned into a bigger sea serpent that eats them all. It's really cool. The prince of Egypt is wrong. It's not little parlor tricks, right? This is, this is warfare. It's really interesting. The spiritual beings physically wrestling with men, with angels walking about as men, with angels wrapping their comforting arms around Jesus in the wilderness and in, in Gethsemane in the garden on the Mount of Olives with the expectation that you might entertain angels and you won't even know it. Spiritual beings from the heavenly realm are here and they're all over the place and it's overlapping and the world is alive. So don't flatten the Bible, okay? Don't flatten the Bible. And lastly, wage war. Wage war. It's like my favorite application, all right? Favorite application ever. Wage war against, as Father Ben says all the time, the world, the flesh, and who? The devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples. This is just a great scene. He sends out the 72. What does he say? Go eat with people. Just go in their house and eat. And if they're nice, hang out and just stay there. And if they're the worst, get out of there. Okay? That, that's what he tells them to do. And they come back and what do they say to Jesus? They said, man, we didn't know that we would have authority over the spiritual forces. What? I told you to go eat with people. But they come back and they say, we, in entering into the outsiders and the fatherless, into the weak and needy's home and receiving their hospitality, we were waging war against a whole crazy host of people who didn't want us to do that. And so Jesus responds to them and he says, you guys know, I saw Satan cast down from heaven. I was there. I was there. That's his response. Read it. Luke chapter 10. Go read it this afternoon. It's really interesting. I saw Satan cast down and I have given you authority in heaven and earth, all over heaven and earth, and you have power over all these principalities and powers. Don't fear. Okay? So here it is. Go eat meals together with people that you would never in a million years eat a meal with. Go into their home, invite them into your home, as the writer of Hebrews says. You will, you will, with your hospitality, he says in Hebrews chapter 13, you will entertain angels unaware. So this, this heavenly cosmic warfare over and over in scripture happens around a table in a home. That's what we're doing here. This, this is cosmic and spiritual warfare that we are doing, that we are supposed to go out and model in our homes. And I'm going to leave you with the Apostle Paul. Here's some familiar territory for you guys, okay? Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20. The Father worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, Okay? These are all spiritual forces of darkness. And what does he say to you at the end of this letter? Ephesians chapter 6. Put on then the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit 
all the nations. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 